Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Charlton Live, sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. My name is uh, Louis Mendes. I hope you guys are well. This is the big match preview as we gear up for Saturday's home game uh, with Wickham Wanderers at the Valley, a first home game in charge for Michael Appleton. So joining me to preview uh, that game, first up, top right, is uh, Tash Everett. How you doing, Tash? Good evening, Louis. I'm very good, thanks. Don't think I've been on the pod since Holden was sacked, so yeah, not much to talk about, is there? <laughs> yeah, well, was that your personal form of protest that you refused to come on <laughs> since uh, since then? Yeah, secretly. Uh, surprise. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll ask you uh, about the uh, the new manager shortly as well, but we also need to introduce uh, in the uh, bottom of the screen there, Mr. Mark Newbury. How you doing, Mark? I'm good, mate. I'm just disappointed Tash didn't get the memo to wear the Ecru shirt just so we could re- <laughs> so we could reproduce the Spider-Man meme and point at each other. So. Yeah, yeah, me and Mark, for, for those listening on the podcast, me and Mark have turned up wearing the same away shirt from 1998, the Ecru number, um, which Tash was probably not born at that point, I think, when when this kit was worn, uh, which uh, which ages Mark terribly. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're wearing the same shirt. Good to see you uh, both. So on today's show, then, we, we will look ahead to that game uh, with Wickham, we'll have a little bit of a discussion about it. I also want to open up the floor today. This is something that I thought is something that fans and, and pundits alike speak about a lot. Oh, he doesn't know his best 11. So we're going to try and work out what our best 11 is this evening. So we're going to need your help as well. Those of you joining us in the chat, we're going to need help from everyone to try and work out what our best 11 is. Uh, we'll probably get stumped just at the formation, to be fair. But I'm going to I'm going to try and stick it into a 4-3-3 because that's what Appleton played in his first game. But yeah, we'll, we'll have a long conversation about who we think will fit in uh, to certain roles. We will look ahead, of course, to the Wickham game. We've got uh, James Richens from the uh, Bucks Free Press uh, joining us to tell us a bit about Saturday's visitors. Then we'll look ahead to it uh, from our own point of view as well. Plenty of uh, things to discuss. So, I mean, Tash, you... Uh, you started it there then. Um, your first show for a while, you've been off on holiday somewhere, I imagine. Uh, like you and Sue always seem to be on holiday somewhere. Tom's on like a six-week holiday at the moment. Nathan's going on holiday soon. I feel like I'm the only one who's really dedicated to just watching our rubbish football team. But um, yeah, what, what, what have you made of the the departure of Dean Holden and, and obviously the, the first few weeks of, of Michael Appleton in charge? Yeah, sorry, I've been sucking away in Ibiza, but um, yeah, no. Yeah, when I found out about Holden, I think it wasn't it wasn't much of a surprise. I think if we'd have given him the game, the home game, I can't remember who we were playing now, but if he'd gone on and lost that, then I think it probably would have made sense maybe slightly jumping the gun the game before that. But anyway, yeah, I think it was probably harsh. I think for a while I didn't think that it was probably going to work, though, purely because... When they were talking about bringing in the number two for Holden this season, um, I think it was quite clear that he needed a tactician alongside him. I think the man management side of things Holden had down to a T and 
the players and everyone around the place seemed to really warm to him. But unfortunately, I think the tactics, he, he, you know, he got outclassed a, a lot of times. Is something that we saw against Bristol Rovers and like many, many games at the beginning of the season. So I think, you know, don't, no disrespect to um, the people that they did bring up from the like from within and from the academy, but I think it probably required someone coming from outside that had a bit more of experience. Um, so from that side of things, I think he was probably let down budget-wise. But yeah, I wish him all the best and everything. But I think as much as I don't want to see him go, because I liked him as a person, liking someone as a person doesn't make them the perfect manager, I suppose. So yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it. But Michael Appleton, yeah, I think with Charlton, unfortunately, over the last couple of years, we seem to change manager every five, six months. So I don't see too much point getting too invested in them. Um I think I don't think it's a bad appointment. Could we have done better? Probably. But I think given where we are as a club, I think it's probably what I expected. So, yeah, wish him all the best. And I hope it pans out well for him and hopefully he gets a good start at the Valley on Saturday. Yeah, well, fingers crossed, as you say, it's his first home game in charge uh, this Saturday. I should hello, say hello to everyone who's joining us in the chat. Evening to uh, all hell. Uh, let loose and to uh, Bob by the walls. I think Bob was there at Stephen Hills on Saturday. I saw him. I saw him shaking hands with Tell. David's in the chat. Michael is saying, uh, "Evening legends, another week on the training pitch." You know what that means for Saturday? Yeah, it normally means bad news in in our case. But hopefully, with a new manager, uh, will be different. Paul's saying, "I won't be able to go on Saturday." Hopefully, that proves uh, a good omen. Evening to uh, Liam uh, and to Andrew. Uh, in the chat as well. David Evans pointing out another manager's gone now in League One. Cheltenham Town have partnered company uh, with was it Elliot Wade earlier on today. Um, possibly no surprise because they've still yet to score a league goal, uh, Mark. It turns out not when, when we signed all of their goals, jokingly, we literally signed all of their goals in terms of um, uh, Alfie May. Um, right, we'll, we'll do the, the best 11 shortly, but we, we should just look ahead to this game with Wickham first of all. Um, it was probably a good start for, for Mickey Appleton in the second half, you know, not necessarily the first period against uh, against Stevenage on Saturday, Mark. But, um, you know, if he can build up a little bit of momentum at the start of his tenure, like we've seen previous managers do, like all, all the ones that end up getting sacked anyway, but the likes of Jacko and, and Adkins started off OK, um, and as did Dean after about two, three games, he went on a good run. Um, it'd be nice if we could start that little cycle again with, with a good start for, for Mickey. Yeah, I mean, it's to be honest, it seemed like he's been there longer, but it's only his second full week. And uh, obviously, after the international break, and we did have a few players away. So hopefully, we haven't found out if anyone's injured this week on the pitch in training. Alfie will be back, which gives him another quandary on what to do up front. Um, and yeah, you're right. It, it was a game, the literal game of two halves last week. And you can take... You know, you want to be optimistic and take the positives from the second half and say, right, if he can transfer that through the team into a 90-minute game, it's going to make us harder to beat and make us dangerous attacking. Um, there was some good stuff. There was a lot of the old bad habits, but you can't shake off a bad habit straight away with you know any habit in your own personal life, which is bad. You can't just change it straight away. It takes some doing. So, you know, another full week. And hopefully by now, it's like we're going to do later, he'll have a better idea of what his preferred 11 will be. Obviously, discounting the people like Fraser who are out for a few more weeks, you know, and he hasn't really seen anything of him, he'll have a better idea of the players in training, what they can do. You know, it, it bodes positively, I should say. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, OK, we are where we are, but that's to do with the start of the season. 
we've given him a clean slate virtually to work with. I think the fans, like Tash says, you know, you expect an, like a bus, another one to come along in another six months. But you want to get behind him, you want to be positive, and you want to say, right, let, let's see if you can make a difference to our team. You know, you are more experienced tactically than Dean was. So we should see that on the pitch, hopefully. If we are still going to make a dart for the top six, Tash, it's, it, it, it doesn't necessarily like we're not we're not a million miles away. From, you know, the season's not ending yet, but I mean, you don't want to be getting too far behind. I guess is I guess is the point we're going to make, and we, we do have to we, we do have to pick that up quite soon. I, I think, and and the perfect place to start would be against a side like Wickham, who've obviously enjoyed a, a good beginning of the campaign themselves. Yeah, I was looking at the table today and it's very congested in the middle. And even like the, the teams that you see in the top six, like four out of six of them, apart from, what was it, Barnsley and Pompey, I wouldn't have said would have been up there. So, yeah, as you said, we've still got plenty of time to catch up with them, hopefully. But having said that, if you look at Ipswich and they got promoted last season, they lost four games. We've already lost four games <laughs> already this season. They did that the whole campaign. So, yeah, definitely not got off to a promotion winning start this season but yeah there's plenty of room that we can turn that around I think looking at the results we've got against Wickham in the last couple of years not had much luck against them um it's better than I thought it was from memory because I always associate going to Adams Park being a bit miserable <laughs> but um yeah I think we've drawn two lost to one one and the win coming like the first picture so yeah, it's been a while since it's got a win against them, so that'd be nice. But again, they are the sort of teams to see feel myself saying this every time, but they are the sort of teams that if we want to be promoted, we need to be beating them at home, even though they are typically kind of up there um or in and around the playoffs normally. They're the people that we need to be beating. So yeah, would would be nice to get back on track, to be honest. I think the draw at Stevenage, if you just said that to me before the beginning of the season that we drew one one there, I'd be like, that's not the best result. Um, unfortunately, in the context of things, as much as it begrudges me to say that Steve Evans is top of the league, um, you do have to put that into perspective that they have had quite a good start. Um, so if you put that into context, it's not the worst. But yeah, I think we should definitely be aiming for a win on Saturday. Big time. Yeah. Um, some, of the, some of the points have been quite interesting this week, Mark, that, that I've been pick, picking up on. Now, of course... Um, I think it was sort of this time last week, Charlie Mevin's podcast came out where he was talking about Charlton sort of staying within the, the salary cost management protocol. Um, effectively, FFP for, for League One, League Two, that is. And and, and how he, he spoke a little bit about how the, the young, having, having a lot of young players in your squad, because under a certain age, they don't actually count towards that. Uh, so their wages don't count towards that that salary cap, effectively, if they've come up through your academy and if they're under a certain age. Um, he was talking about how that's a great benefit to the squad. Now, M Mickey Apples on uh, on BBC Radio London this week, um, you know, gave, gave a really good interview, but did reiterate. And it's the second time he said it because he, uh, he did say it in his press conference at the um, end of last week as well. Um, is that Charlton have too many young players? So, I mean, is is there a risk? <laughs> Do you think Mickey's sort of come in and seen the squad and sort of analysed that they're they're still a bit short of where it needs to be for a playoff place? Because he, he, he has said that a couple of times now. He has sort of laid the groundwork for improvements being needed to be made in um, in January? Well, he's probably said that because he's fed up of having to stick Bluey on the team coach where they're travelling somewhere. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult because we need for young players to come through. That's the kind of club we are. If you're going to have 
have we had in previous years experience in certain places that hasn't always worked either and then you've got their their wages to get rid of um i think it's what he means is that you have to find the right balance not like oh there's too many youngsters you know ideally you'd want to blood maybe two or three into a season to get them and we've had to blood over the last couple of years probably eight or nine who could have done with another season you know playing under 21s or going out on loan um i must admit i did feel a bit sorry for daniel carnu who's already scored for us in the league a couple of times this season didn't even make the bench and i think to myself with players like that I think you've got to nurture them and is it better for him to be in and out of the 21s and the main teams or is he just going to wait for Chucks to get injured again? But there's positions like the fullback, which he's obviously seen, you know, the young fullbacks we've got and thought, yeah, there are, they've run out of steam. They don't have the, you know, the knowledge, the nous, as it were, to sort of like kill a game and they've been caught out and it's all part of the experience of learning. So, Ideally, you want an experienced 21-year-old, but the only way you get experience is by playing games. So it's a catch-22 situation with this. I think one of the things, we've always talked about it before, is that you love seeing players come through the academy into the first team, you know, making the bench. And I mean, we interviewed the lads at the um, Player of the Year last, last, uh, last year, and Daniel Carnu's smile was... He was just so happy to be moving up through the ranks and getting in there and getting the chance and being positive and taking it when it came and taking grabbing it with both hands. But in fact, it was fantastic. It was one of my highlights of that evening of seeing his positive attitude towards his career and what you want to do. And you think you don't want to stifle that. And there's no guarantee. Obviously, we couldn't afford it anyway, but you get in three or four experienced players in positions, they're more likely to be grumbling if they're not playing, or are they just going to be here? It's just someone who's just going to take a wage and not really care. I think with the kids, you sometimes get a bit more commitment, a bit more care, because it means something to all of them, but sometimes it means a bit more, especially where you see a Simway and Corey Anderson, who've, who've played together for, what have they said, about 10 years through the kids and youth, and Coming into the first team together, it's it's been great for them to have someone to share that experience with. And you can see that they're absolutely gutted when we lose. And I, I see Appleton's point. However, I, I would always, I'd rather sort of like have the youth there and say, right, let's give them a chance. Because I remember sort of like years ago and seeing people like Sean Newton come into the team and Scott Wagstaff and people like that. And you're thinking, okay, let's show us what you can do. But you know, they were brought in gradually. We've not had the luxury mm. to do that for the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, uh, all hell let loose says didn't... Uh, <laughs> so I've just seen he's changed his picture to me. Uh, all, uh, didn't didn't Michael Appleton get the job because he was a good manager of, uh, of younger players? Um, yeah, th- that was certainly something that's talked about. But it is finding that right balance, Tash, if we, if we are to be a, a club that's serious about promotion. And like I say, for the manager to pick it up a couple of times and go against what Charlie's trying to show as as a benefit for the club, to me, suggests that there's that I don't know. There's a bit of a difference there in in what the manager thinks would be uh, achievable with with the squad, and you know, it needs addressing in January, as has been said. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Mark. It's it's nice to see like Anderson and Simway, obviously the 
the relationship they built on the pitch, like it's clear to see it's the same with Lieber and when Carnu plays, like them two together work so well and you can see they can read each other's game. So in that respect, yes. And like how many times have we like clung on to academy players that have gone on to do amazing things like Nick Pope playing in the Champions League this week. I was like getting hyped up about that. It's about <laughs> the biggest joy that Charlton's given me at the, at the moment is X, like, you know, youth players. But yeah, I agree. I think as much as I love that and I love seeing the academy players do well and then come through and get a chance, I do think that, unfortunately, is particularly in League One, I feel like you need that experience. I mean, how many times have we had games this season where, well, the Bristol Rovers and Port Vale games stick out to me where we've not been able to see out that game and get a point out of it conceded a, a, a late goal partly because of in, the inexperience, not blaming it on the, the academy kids necessarily, but it doesn't help if you're the oldest people in your team, but people like George Dobson and and Kirk and people like that, that are like my age, like 24 or 25, that's not what the sort of people that you need to get out of this division. Like if you think of the people that, okay, yeah, the team that got us promoted in 2019 were like, they weren't the oldest side, but they were definitely the people that played the game for a long time. You had people like Darren Prattley in there. Like, you need those people in your team. Um, but yeah, going back to the point about like what Appleton's saying, contradicting what Methven says, that doesn't surprise me. Um, but yeah, obviously, our fear would be that Methven would come in and see, you know, put these academy kids out with the mind of being like, well, we can put these in the January window, the summer window, and make some money. Um, whereas obviously we'd like to get the most out of them that we can considering we've brought them through the ranks. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can see, I, I probably side of Appleton more that I think as much as I love having Academy kids come through and, you know, taking the plaudits for that. I think if you want to get promoted, you're, you're going to get beaten off the park by teams that have done this game for way longer than they have. And also, I also don't think it's fair that when we were going through that losing stage under, under Holden, you get all the young kids getting stick on social media and like in, in the ground. So I just think they've been thrown into this situation. It's easy to forget that Simway and Anderson weren't in the first team last season. They weren't near it. So, yeah, I think it's dangerous to put that much pressure on your academy kids. You look at Carl and Grant when he first came through and how it wrecked his confidence. Thankfully, that came back. But, yeah, you don't want the same to repeat, to be honest. Mm, well, Richard in the chat is pointing out that it was uh, Alan Hansen that said, uh, you don't win anything with kids. Uh, although I think it was proven wrong, but still, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see exactly how that plays out. But yeah, it's just it was just an interesting little little contradictory couple of comments there that I picked up on. I do like to notice when when when, when a manager or, or an owner are saying different things. We had similar with uh, with Garner and Sangar talking about the size of the budget a couple of times. And, and, and obviously that, that ended up with... with um, Garner speaking out quite loudly against the ownership, which I'd be shocked if, if Michael Appleton feels like he's in that situation where he needs to this time, and I'd be surprised if he did. But yeah, it's just something I picked up on that maybe there's uh, two differing views on how things could go forward. Right, we're going to try this this thing then that I've, we've never tried before on Charlton Live because it's something that we've all said at some point. We've all said he don't know his best eleven. Uh, we've said it about too many managers going through the years now because obviously we've had so many so we're going to try and work it out here on Charlton Live this evening we're going to need your help as well in in the comments those those of you joining us live uh in YouTube and like I said I've no idea how long this is going to take so there's every chance that we'll, we'll break off halfway through 
uh, when our, our guest James joins us uh, to talk about Wickham and then, then we'll come back while we focus a bit more uh, on the Wickham game. But the the main point of confusion would have been the formation that we're going to play because we, we have sort of flitted between, I think, mainly 4-3-3 a little bit, or was it 4-2-3-1 or vice versa once or twice this season, but ma- mainly between that and 3-5-2. So on Saturday, we went for the 4-3-3 um, that, that we played uh, against um, against uh, Stevenage. And I've just realised I put May in up top instead of Lieber, and I think I was just practising changing in there. Uh, so that's how we started uh, against, um, against Stevenage over the weekend. Um, so the question is... If we were to play a 4-3-3, first of all, we need to find out what our best our best team is. So we're probably going to get stuck on this for the entire time we've got. But goalkeepers, you've got you've got benefits and, and obviously you've you've got pros and cons for both both of our goalkeepers, Mark. Um if if you were if you were Mickey Apples going into um um obviously you'd have to bulk up a bit in terms of your arms, but if you were Mickey Apples going into Saturday's home game, what 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 would what would be your decision making? For, for the goalkeeper position on Saturday. And and those of you in the chat, give us your reasons why and who you choose. Well, you know, I actually have, you know, I've got twin boys and I've got this coin and it's got one name on one side and one name on the other. So that if they are arguing about who gets to go what, I would flip it and they go by whatever comes down. Now, that's what he could get for Estead and Ashley. Um, again, you can pros and cons for both of them. My after watching Isted's reaction to the goal on Saturday, where he decided just waving a leg casually as a ball shot past him, I thought I would I would go with Ashley again because I just think myself his shot stopping is very good, his distribution is not good, and his kicking needs improving. Um, but the thing about goalkeepers, they just need coaching a hundred percent of the time. They don't reach their peak until late 20s, normally 30s. Um, there are a few younger keepers now who are exceptional. But I think if you watched last night's Champions League, um, Man United paid a lot of money for their guy who can f- just fell over the ball. And, thinking, and he's playing in a premiership tonight for Champions League. So look, if you push me, I think Ash... I probably haven't seen enough of Ested to... Go, come down on his side, if I'm honest. Only if, like what we've seen him last season, where he single-handedly tried to keep out Sheffield Wednesday, and you know. But I understand why he's been given a chance now. However, I think if you push me to put one in, I'm going A and B. You know, it's just for. But you know, I'm not going to stand argue with anyone who says, "Oh, you've got to put I said in." I, I, it's not one of those ones. It's not a hill I'm willing to die on but I would go with Ash. Mm, right. So in the chat, Michael's saying Ashley uh, back in guard. Trust him as a shot stopper. Joseph uh, is voting for Ashley. Luke is voting for Eisted. Would just about have Eisted at the moment as he doesn't spill as much uh, into our penalty box. Although it could, that could be due, due to the fact that, as Chris says, that has Eisted actually made a save yet? Uh, Ashley Maynard Brewer back, uh, pleased as I felt Eisted should have attempted to save the goal at the weekend. David saying uh, Ashley... Uh, Andrew would like to see Ashley. Dudley would like to see Ashley uh, as well. David, Ashley, uh, all hell let Lucy and Zorro, which is Ashley as well. Um, uh, so there we go. I mean, obviously there's chat about the formation. So th- this is part of the problem we've got. I mean, I- I'm not ever convinced that 4 through 3 is our best formation. It has been at times, but when we've got the, stri- the, the potential strike force we've got, I feel like we should have two more central strikers. Um, Tash, if I were to put you on a the spot then, um, the, 
the, the two goalkeepers, unless you're going to throw like a, a rogue one in, like one of the youth ones or anything like that, or get McGivray back or something mad. Yeah, yeah, bring up the under 21s. Now, um, I'm like Mark, honestly, I don't think I can really sway it either way. No, no one's either pulling me either way, but obviously, I think when Maynard Brewer got dropped, it was slightly harsh, although I did agree with it at the time purely because I felt like he needed to be taken out of the spotlight because I think he made errors. Well, as someone pointed out, spit with it <clears throat> after making the save. Two carbon copies in the two same games, so he needed to be dropped, probably. Even though you know you could argue it was harsh, but again, I have an issue that I haven't really seen. I said either since he he's come in. Um, the clip that Stevenage, I think Stevenage posted it from behind the goal, wasn't the most flattering angle of their opener at the weekend. Um, I think if we'd have gone on to lose that game, you could argue. But, you know, if I said he's not tried enough to stop that shot and it's caused us to lose the game, then, yeah, you'd have a good argument for him being dropped. Um, having said that, I do also like Ashley Reynard Brewer and I thought he did really well for us back in the last season. So it's difficult. Um, we're just making things easy for this 11. I'll say I'll say Reynard Brewer, come back in outside of Mark. Yeah, that's good. So that's who I put on the screen. Just a couple more people had their comments. Andrew said... Uh, he's uh, actually has got the potential to be a fantastic goalie great shot stopper okay the distribution is not great but then neither uh was uh dino's luke said he did forget um i stood stevie wonder impression on the front post against stevenage um as alex has pointed out i mean jones probably could have done better to stop it as i mentioned on saturday it looked like he was sort of all, all his weight was going one way and then uh with jamie reed wasn't it, a striker who cut inside him uh and went uh the other way but paul yeah saying about the uh the distribution said it's become increasingly important, but keeping clean sheets or the score down is what it's about. It's his bread and butter to make saves. I mean, that, that's something that's definitely been picked up a lot by by Benji on this show, Mark. He, he doesn't rate Ashley's distribution at all. But I mean, how important is that? And again, I don't know what Eisted's distribution is yet because we haven't seen enough of him. But how important is distribution in the modern game, especially I mean, it, especially the way we were playing under a Ben Garner, where we were massively possession based? Um, can, can you allow at our level for a goalkeeper who's not not the best with his feet? I mean, probably at League One level you can. Yeah, because the idea is you, you want the guy to stop the ball going in the net. I mean, there's all this uh, follow the trend, follow the trend. Uh, we want a, a keeper who can play as a sweeper, centre-back, you know, come out and dribble past 12 people before making it. No, you know, that works for certain teams in certain ways. Give me, give me a guy who stops the ball from going in. I don't care whether it's his face, his chest, his leg, his knee, or whatever. That's what I want. If a ball comes to him, get rid of it. I mean, we've when you see certain teams trying to play it out from the back and the pressure which is put onto them, of course it's going to happen. Mistakes are going to be made and it's going to be highlighted. So I'd rather we just put his size 12 through it and launched it up front. Okay, it's going to come back, but... We'll probably lose a lot less goals than trying to play out and play across and play a back and play across. And sooner or later, it's going to bite you on the backside. So, you know, give me a goalkeeper who can do the job he's in. He's been paid for. That, that's what I want. Catch crosses, deal with it, organise free kicks, you know, stop the ball from going in. That's the bottom line. What he does with after that, distribution, again, that's what I'm saying about goalkeepers need to be coached. They need to be getting personal coaching from a goalkeeper coach who knows what they're doing. This is why they're out there, you know, half hour before everyone else, warming up, getting themselves 
you know, ready, game ready, mentally ready to be to, to go. And uh, it it's always strikes me as strange where I say, well, but but my goalkeeper can't do this. My you know, we've had some real rubbish goalkeepers over the years. I mean, it's just. But you know, and I, if anyone wants, to, you say Turam, you can say Nicky Weaver, people like that. But you know, and you look at the best. Everyone always says about Dino's kicking, you know. But okay, he had a bit of a you know a left shank on it, but he was an amazing goalkeeper for shot stops for everything, commanding, agile. That's what I wanted. I didn't care if he put it out of you know one in every ten. I I cared that he stopped some goals going in, which he did. So mm. the distribution is an easy stick to beat Ashley with, but it can be coached, it can be corrected, it can be improved, and that's what you want from a player. Mm. Excellent stuff. Right, we're nearly half an hour into the show and at least 10 minutes into our best 11 and we've got one position sorted so far. I did have a nasty feeling this was going to happen. Just quickly before we go to the break, let's do left back. Um, so I wrote down, I have written down um, pretty much everyone who can fit in every position and I think I've pretty much only got Teo Aiden for left back, maybe Terrell Thomas. I mean, Tash, is there anyone else you could see fitting in at left back for our best 11? No, Eden would be my go-to. Absolutely, I think he's been brilliant. I love about this season. Um, I know I can't think of anyone else that would that would drop there personally. Ex excellent stuff. Well, that works quite nicely, and we'll, we'll just tick yeah. right back off as well. Then, uh, so James Abank were played played there on Saturday, Mark, out of position. Um, we do have other options. It's an interesting one, really, because I mean I've put. Uh, a Simway or Ten A Watson. So the we're slightly hamstrung here by the fact that. Uh, one of them's never played for us, so we don't know if he's any good. But uh, with the temptation there to be to, to put the more experienced League One right back in in that position, or, or play a banquet out of position again, where he really struggled on Saturday. No, you'd, you'd, I don't want to play a square peg into a round hole. Um, I would. I'm sorry for the same way. I would put Watson in. I'd put. You know, he's especially in that position. That's what you need. Oh yes, we haven't seen him, but. I'm thinking I'd rather play someone who knows what that role is. And a Simway hasn't done anything to make me go, oh, you've got to drop him. You know, yeah, there's been mistakes. It's his youth. It's the age. But that's the experience alongside him needs to be better. But I would put Watson in. I really would. And it's because I think he'd have a specialist right back in that position. Excellent stuff. Right, we will come back to our best 11 uh, after the advert break. Should just say hello to uh, Jonathan West from Charlton Upbeats, who's joined us uh, in the chat. I hope you're well. Uh, Jonathan, good to see you. Luke is asking about our shirt, the Ecru number. Says he's ordered one himself. I, I, I think I've seen someone sort of like remaking them online. It'd be interesting to see what they uh, how they come out. This is an original uh, I bought off eBay a few years ago uh, as well. So, right, we will come back to our best 11 shortly. We'll have our break and then we'll uh, turn our attention to Wickham uh, because our guest... Uh, is uh, is going to join us and tell us all about Matt Bloomfield's side uh, in a few moments' time. Thinking about a new kitchen or bathroom? Find professional, independent local installers with free home surveys, itemised quotes and protected payments, trading standards approved contracts and workmanship warranties. The British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom, Bathroom Installations accredits installers to ensure they are police-checked, fully insured and experienced. Take the risk out of home improvement. Visit bikbbi.org.uk. Hello, fellow addicts. I'm so excited to tell you all about our micropub, The River Owl House. The River Owl House is based in East Greenwich. It has six pub of the year awards, an ever-changing selection of amazing beer. It's owned by Charlton fans, walkable to the ground in just 20 minutes with buses that go direct to the Valley too. 
If your matchday routine includes a drink with your friends, you must join your fellow addicts in the river. See you soon. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. Before the break there, we, we've started to make a dent on our Charlton Best Eleven. Uh, which is causing a, a lot of debate. And we haven't actually got to any of the positions with more than two players in yet. So centre-half is going to be a fun one next. Uh, but we have got a game on Saturday. This is a big match preview. I wanted to, to look ahead uh, to Wickham's trip to the Valley. So delighted to say now that we're joined uh, by James uh, Richins, who uh, writes about the chairboys for the Bucks Free Press. Uh, James, great to see you. How are you, my friend? Oh, it's great to see you too, Louis. Hope you're doing okay. And I'm doing very well. Thank you. Very well indeed. And hello to uh, Tash and Mark as well. It's lovely to meet you guys. Excellent stuff. Thanks uh, so much for coming to, to join us uh, on the show finally. You were lined up for last year. We had to cancel the show late, if I remember rightly. But yeah, an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, obviously, uh, met you over the last few years covering games for the chair boys. Um, tell us about their, their start to the season. It, it feels like they're on a, a bit of a decent run now. Very much so. Um, at the start of the season, right at the start of the, uh, start of the league season, it was disastrous. Uh, two defeats on the bounce, no goals scored, um, five goals conceded. Oh, sorry, six goals conceded, I should say. And in the opening game against Exeter, Wickham were 2-0 down inside the first five minutes. And one of those goals was scored after 24 seconds. So it was a, a dreadful start to the season. But fair play to Matt Bloomfield. He really has picked it up and collectively out of the 10 games they've um they've played this season all competitions they've won six of them and they've uh, and they've uh, unbeaten their last three without conceding a goal if you include the uh, Papa John's game on Tuesday night so they've really have improved Wickham after what was a shaky start to the season yeah normally on the little ticker you see going down the bottom of the screen I put in stats and that and obviously I write the um the, the score of the last match and I did have the last league match until I saw who they beat on um on, on the Tuesday night in the Papa John's, so I've changed it to the fact they beat Palace, even if it is the under-21s. Um, talk to us about Matt Bloomfield, the manager. Uh, you know, obviously, massive snake boots to fill um, after uh, after Gareth Ainsworth left and, and took the hacker to, to QPR with him. Um, mm-hmm. How has he settled into the role over was the last 10 months or so, I guess, by now? Yeah, it's been a real transitional period for Wickham. Um, Gareth Ainsworth had been there for 10 and a half years, so we all knew what was expected of Gareth Ainsworth, especially in the last five or six years in which he took Wickham up twice and then in a playoff final, which unfortunately lost to Sunderland um, in 2022. So everyone kind of knew what was expected. Then his move to QPR sort of came out the blue, but it seemed to be the right move for him. 
Matt Bloomfield, in a way, was the only real candidate. We all know that he's an absolute legend at the club. He had 20 years there, or just under 20 years as a player. He knows the fabric of the club. And if there was ever going to be one man to take over from Gareth Ainsworth, who too had spent well over a decade at Wickham, it was going to be Matt Bloomfield. And it's still very much fair to say he's in the infancy of his career still, because um, when he was at Colchester, he only took that job, I think, a year ago, the end of this month. And at the back end of last season, it was a real shaky period, I think it's fair to say. When Gareth left, uh, Wickham had just won their fifth game in a row in League One, which they'd never done before in any um, in any League One season that they've been in. So when Bloomfield came uh, took over, it was a bit shaky. One win here, then a draw, then a loss. It was just very much, it was very inconsistent. And they ended the uh, season on a bit of a whimper, uh, drew Portsmouth on the final day. And then before that, they had two back-to-back home defeats. So it was a bit of a disappointing end. But he's always said that he knows what his ideas are. He knows what his philosophy is. It's just going to take time. And I know it's very early days in the season, but we're starting to really see what he wants to do. He wants to play the ball on the ground. He has experimented with a few different formations. Um, He primarily goes with one up top, but against uh, Blackpool last weekend in the league, he opted to go with three up top and it worked. Whereas Wickham really didn't need to get out of third gear to defeat the Tangerines. So... To take over from Gareth Ainsworth, it was only going to be Matt Bloomfield. And he's slowly but surely now starting to show everyone his philosophy. Mm. So when Wickham were in the Championship 2020-21, I mean, a lot of people said it's the smallest club ever to, to reach that level. But by the fact that they did get there, that sort of readjusted expectation levels a little bit. I mean, is it still is it, is it fair to say that, you know, a side that finished ninth last season, got to the playoffs the year before, that that is now the expectation for even what is still you know, historically a very small club at, at this level, the playoffs are sort of what the, the Adams Park crowd has come to expect. Yeah, I, I, I agree in a way. I mean, Wickham have only been in the Football League since 1993, 94, I believe. So around 30 years. So, And, and it's still incredible to think they were in the championship a couple of years ago. It, it's still mind-boggling. And of course, when you do so well, there is an expectancy in that. Now, Wickham got promoted into League One in 2018. They just avoided relegation 2019, promotion 2020, unfortunately relegated, in my opinion, in 2021, and then lose a playoff final in 2022. So that's four to five years of consistency. So, of course, there is a level of expectancy now because that's a significant period of time. It's not a flash in the pan where you have one promotion and then you um, somewhat falter. Wickham are very much a club that want to be back in the championship. And in a way, it was a very unfortunate season. Their only year in the second tier was played behind closed doors due to the pandemic. So no fans, other than the selected few during the Christmas period where they were allowed in, were able to see their team in the championship. So the owners, the Kuwigs, they definitely won championship football again. Matt Bloomfield wants to get in and around, in, in and around the playoffs. And I think it's fair to say ninth, considering what it has been in the last, last few seasons, ninth place last season for Wickham was still their fifth highest finish ever in their history. And I think that sometimes gets forgotten about because the season did end on a bit of a whimper. So playoffs is very much the aim and Wickham are really trying to make strides to become a championship club, but not just a championship club for one or two seasons. They really want to be um, part of the furniture in the second tier. So James, one of the players that's been with you since you've been back in League One is Brandon Hanlon, one of our old Academy products. Um, what do you make of him and how's he, how's he got on the two years that he's been, he's been with you guys? 
I think he's done very well. He joined us from uh, Bristol Rovers in 2021, the year that Wickham went down into the championship. And he's been he's been somewhat good. He really has been. Um, I personally believe he's more of a winger than a striker, in my opinion. Um, Matt Bloomfield did say that if he gets more goals to his game, he will be one of the best players in the league because we can see his qualities. He runs at the defence. He doesn't give anyone a moment's peace. He's a real handful. But in the last year or so, he has struggled with injuries. Um, he suffered a hernia injury last season, so he missed um, a significant period of the season. Um, there have been times where he's been in and out of form, maybe due to the injury, but he's really come back strong this season and he's, he's already got a couple of goals, one being against Blackpool last weekend. So the fans do like him. Obviously, he was very close to leaving in the summer uh, with Wrexham being the favourites to sign him. And I guess when a side like Wrexham now with their profile and the money they could offer in League 2, obviously it's going to turn a few heads. And there was a very strong possibility he was going to go. Um, he was actually excluded from the uh, League Cup defeat to Sutton because it looked like the move was going to happen. It fell through and he's very much a Wiccan player. And he was he was at the training ground today, getting involved, getting stuck in. So it's a real, real, real good thing that he's at Wickham still because he has a lot to offer comes in on the right-hand side. He's got a very good shot on him and he loves to dribble. Um, he loves to get around defenders. So that's good to see that he's still here with us. James, would you say, I mean, obviously we lost Ipswich, Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday last year. That this, mm -hmm. this league is, for want of a word, easier this season. So it gives you more optimism that, you, that we, i.e. you and us, would do better in it. Cool, that's a good question, that is. Um, it's it's difficult to say. It really is, because let's be real, if you look at a side like Stevenage, who Charlton played last week, I doubt any of us would have expected the start they would have had, um, considering that Steve Evans has got somewhat of an iffy um, record in League One. And at the same time, I don't think that we would have seen Reading struggle, albeit with the points deductions uh, so far this season. So... I wouldn't say necessarily it's going to be easier because I think every League One season is always um, is always going to be difficult. I think Bolton are a side that look very good. I think Oxford are going to look really good under um, Liam Manning because he nearly got promoted with MK a couple of years ago until they lost to Wickham in the playoffs. So I think it's going to be a really, really challenging season. I mean, on the opening day against Exeter, if you were to have said that Wickham would have been 2-0 down inside the first five minutes of the season everyone would have thought you're having a laugh, but it did. And Exeter have looked really good as well. So it's going to be hard for, for any team, really. And um, I think I think it's still very, very, it's too early to say, really. I think when it gets to around Christmas time, January, February, that's when we start to really, really look and think, OK, well, these are the teams that are pushing for promotion. These teams had a good start, but they've somewhat fallen off and maybe they're not going to be able to catch up. So there are some very, very good teams in this league. I mean, Peterborough, they've got a point to prove after the way they capitulated last season. Uh, Barnsley want to get out of the division after being so close to getting out of it last season. Um, I've already mentioned Oxford, Charlton, yourself. I grew up with Charlton being a Premier League side. So the fact you're in League One is still mind-boggling to me in that sense. Yeah, so, and us as well, to be honest, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's gonna be um it's gonna be a really, really tough season, that's for sure, for anyone, I think. Excellent. Yeah, well, we've certainly made it tough so far. James, it's been brilliant to have you on. Thank you for bringing your expertise about um, uh, Wickham Wanderers and League One. Um, you're bottling going to the game on Saturday. You've got a terrible excuse because you're getting married. So uh, congratulations from all of us at Charlton Live. Thanks for your time this evening, and I'll, I'm sure I'll see you at the reverse fixture.
Very much so. Thank you so much for your kind words, Louis. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the game. I'll be keeping an eye on the score, but not at the altar. Otherwise, I think I'll get divorced before the wedding even starts. So, uh, have a good evening, guys. It's lovely to meet you all. Cheers. Cheers. There we go. That's James Richens there from the uh, Bucks Free uh, Press, who joined us on uh, Chartman Live this evening to give us a lowdown uh, on uh, Wickham Wanderers. And yeah, that was a massive congratulations to him uh, on Saturday's bottling going to the game because he's getting married. Right. Shall we dive back into our top, our, our best 11? Because I was really enjoying that and we've only got three positions sorted so far. We will look a bit ahead to the game with Wigan from our point of view as well uh, later on in the show. We haven't got anything from uh, from the gaffer yet. Mickey Apples is uh, doing his presser uh, tomorrow, frustratingly, because um, I think that's going to be the case going forward as well. So I'll start, I'll, I'll start to ask him more questions about the next opponents on a Saturday, which he'll, he'll love because managers don't like that. Anyway, right, so... We've got the easy ones out of the way, right, in our best 11. We've got the goalkeeper, Maynard Brewer. Aiden, uh, Eden at left back sort of picks himself. Tanai Watson over Nathan Asimway. I think we've gone for experience over youth there, um, which I think is uh, mainly because Nathan is still young. You know, I think he's got all of that potential that we've seen so far from, from him. But, yeah, there's, uh, there, there's, there was a decision to be made there. This is going to be the tough one, Tash. Centre-half, all right? So... Assuming we're playing a back two, uh, like, as in a, a back four with two centre-backs rather than a back three with three centre-halves. So we, we've got to go for... So on Saturday, we started with Jones and Hector. Now, obviously, Hector uh, has had his moments at times. Jones, uh, a few people felt, could have done better for the goal on Saturday. Uh, so they're, they're the two with the shirt at the moment on the screen. But also, uh, in that back line, we could have the likes of uh, Lucas Ness, uh, Deji Leraway, Terrell Thomas, and uh, James Abankwaran. I don't, don't think I've missed anyone off there, but if I've missed anyone glaring, let me know. So, Tash, I mean, you have to pick two there. And bear in mind this, that that particular position has been a real weak point for us uh, over the over the last few seasons. So, pick wisely because it's an area of the field that we have to get better in. Yeah, absolutely. I think Jones is. Personally, I think he's done well from what I've what I've seen of him. I don't I haven't seen him really put a foot wrong. Obviously, arguably the goal at Stevenage, yeah, could have covered um I said a bit better. But from what I've seen of him, I've been quite impressed. Um unfortunately Hector had had the error where he let his man turn him and go in on goal and score. Um <laughs> remember that very vividly in my head still, so I might sway my decision slightly. Um but the one that stands out to me that isn't in there at the moment is Lucas Ness. Um I was quite surprised that he isn't in there anyway. I think he hasn't done anything to merit him being dropped. Um, but it's difficult. I feel like I do. I, I sound like I'm really sl slating Hector. I do rate him. It's just not one mistake. I think possibly drop Hector for Ness, maybe. Yeah. Yeah that's, yeah. that's, that's certainly an option that some people have gone for. I mean, this is going to be hard to get an actual consensus here because, there's quite a few different points being made in the chat. I mean, all hell let loose is saying uh, Jones and Ness. Um, Luke saying our centre-back options are worse than I thought. Uh, Paul <laughs> saying Jones and Hector. Um, David saying Ness and Hector for me. Luke saying Ness has been awful recently. So, I mean, Mark, right. which way would you go on it? Before, before I add my own opinion, which, yeah, which <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure I know which way I'd go at this stage either. Well, what I've seen of Jones I've liked, um, commanding. Uh, this is going to sound strange because he's only just played one game for us and that was at right back. I'd play a banquimoire, a banquois there. Um, for the simple fact, one, that's his position. He's a centre-half. Two, you know, we've got him on loan from an Italian side who's uh, signed him. Now, 
all we all know about Italian football is that it's very well drilled defensively. Some people find it quite dull Italian football, but it's very well drilled. So he'll know his role. Um, so I would I would probably go with him there. It's going to sound strange. I like Terrell Thomas. Um, Hector, <sighs> he's comfortable now, and that's. I don't, I don't like that. I think when he came in on loan and he looked like he had a point to prove, he was everywhere. And we were like, wow, this guy. And then he made a ricket, and then another ricket. And then you're like, oh, you're not expecting that from someone. So is, is he too comfortable in that position? Ness, I like. I think he came in, did a job for us. Again, he was, like I said earlier, he's one of those players. Previous years, he would have been sort of like, had a couple more years in the reserves in the under-21s, getting a bit more experience with uh, a horrible phrase, man's football, um, out on loan somewhere. So I know Abenk was young as well, but I think with his pedigree and his experience of, of being in Italy and being coached defensively, I think he would probably be a good fit alongside Jones. Because um, you've got to make us... Hard to beat at the back of it, but very athletic. He's athletic, I think. And I, I like that he looks versatile and comfortable on the ball, which again comes from his Italian coaching. So, you know, they'll probably split, and I will put everyone in the comments can see a lot of people going for Hector, but uh, I would go with Banqua and uh, Jones. Mm, yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? So, I'm, I'm sort of on. On 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 the side of those who who've, who've been a bit disappointed by Michael Hector at, at times last season as well, there there were mistakes that you'd expect a, a player of his experience not to make. Um, but then when you're looking at at that, those options, so yeah, jo- Jones for me, I think I, I feel like Jones has been almost unanimous. I think I, he, other than maybe Saturday where, like I say, he was, he was unbalanced, going he was going one way, the Reed took the ball past him, going the other. I, I don't feel like he's He's been part of any of the absolute howlers yet. I'm sure if we look back at things there, maybe positionally stuff, he would have liked to have done differently. But it, it feels like he's probably the the only one that we're saying um, saying that we, we're keeping definitely so far. I think most people have said Hector. You know, there were, like I say, a few mistakes last season. Obviously, had a glaring one uh, this season that he you know, wasn't great away at Newport. He played part in, in a poor defence away at Newport as well in, in the cup as well. So. I can see why he might be dropped, but then when you look at the other the other options, so Banqua, we, we we don't know anything about at this stage. Uh, played out of position and had a tough tough day of it on on Saturday. Um, Terrell Thomas, you know, I, I feel like there's probably a reason he doesn't get picked as often. You know, I think he's been seems to have been okay at times this season when he's come in, but you know, maybe not. Uh, Deji, I don't think he's quite ready yet. You know, I thought he looked a bit. You know, he, he had a really good time of it on loan at Bromley last season, and then Lucas Ness, you know end of last season that really strong but as you'd sometimes expect with with a younger player some some of that inexperience showing at times this season and looks a little bit a, li- a little bit off the pace so yeah it, it does feel like i mean, i put it on twitter saying we were gonna go for uh, our best 11 and, and neil said uh maybe is if if you approach it from a least worst 11 angle at this moment in time and i feel like that's kind of where i'm landed with the second center half um and can I put Hector in there from my point of view? Uh, least worst at this stage, maybe, and with with potential to be better than he is because he does have that experience. That's where I think I'm going to stay. So, judging by the comments, I mean, uh, David saying we'll have Jones before a banquet. George is saying Jones and a banquet. 
Um, Harry saying Jones has been has been strong. Luke, I mean, Luke is probably saying what I'm sort of leaning towards. I'm not having a bank win our strongest team until I've seen more of him. So obviously disagreeing with what Mark said. And Mark has been a, a accused by Andrew of only wanting a bank where a place uh, in the side because uh, Mark's a chef and obviously a bank has been out in Italy. So he's, he's eating a real pizza. Uh, he knows he knows what it's going. So Luke's saying, uh, Hector gets the vote. Come on, Louis, let's get into that midfield. So we, and we've only got nine minutes left to actually preview the game from a chunk point of view. So I wonder if maybe we can save the rest of this best 11 for Sunday, if everyone's up for that. Because, it, I mean, this this has been a lot more enjoyable than I thought. And actually, we've got some real headaches in, in the rest of this team. So if you think about it, if we are to play a 4-3-3, there's decisions to be made if it's a, the striker like May or Lee Byrne. Does that mean that one of them doesn't play or do you push Lee Byrne out wide with May up top? We haven't even mentioned Anike. And if we're talking about strongest 11, you know, if we're not talking about fittest 11, if we're talking about strongest 11, then Anike's certainly got a shout at getting in there as well. Um, so, yeah, loads of conversations to have. Is Chem Campbell his best on the left side of a midfield here where he was, a li- I don't know, a little bit out of the game on Saturday? Is, is uh, you know, obviously with the likes of, Fraser and Kamara still coming back into that midfield as well. There's loads to discuss uh, on, um, on on Sunday. So we'll come back to that best 11. But yeah, we've started off then uh, with a, uh, a goalkeeper in Ashley Maynard and a back four of Eden, Jones, Hector and Tanae Watson. Uh, we've literally got someone in our best 11 none of us have ever seen play for Charlton. That's going to be exciting to look ahead to. But we'll come back to that uh, on, uh, on Sunday as we look ahead to uh, the game uh, with uh, with Wickham coming up on Saturday. Tash, um, we, we've spoken about the importance of, of getting off to a good start. Um, the, the importance of sort of knowing how to play a game against a Wickham side who traditionally have been quite physical. You know, I can't remember if James mentioned about I mean, they've got one of my favourite players in the league in, in Gareth McCleary, uh, partly biased because he I, I did see him come up through, through the ranks with, with Bromley. He, been around the non-league circuit and Cypher Bromley scored a, a couple of good goals when he was a, a real young man but he, he's played he's got that experience to go with it Premier League experience now as well but he's a flair player but overall they're known they're known perhaps for their physicality and that's not what we dealt with on Saturday so I imagine Michael would have been you know he's a man who loves to hit the gym I imagine he's had the boys in there for for extra sessions this week yeah I mean didn't he say in his post-match he's increased the atten- intensity of the training sessions and probably get them working on their fitness and physicality so <laughs> I don't know if that would have been fixed by Saturday but hopefully in the future when we do come up against physical sides again because yeah I mean if we come out say, and all the lads are absolutely hench yeah. like Michael Appleton I mean that that would be a sight to behold that that, that would send a real message to the opposition wouldn't it yeah George Dobson in the Montclair shirt no one's gonna mess with him <laughs> in midfield but yeah so yeah that that would be the dream but yeah I don't know. I think, yeah, as you said, we are we don't we don't do very well against physical sides. I think that's been the way for such a long time now. I've said that for so long, but yeah, I mean, as Jones is saying, Wickham could be different than they what they were like under Gareth Ainsworth. So it'd be interesting to see whether that's changed at all. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like hopefully being at home will help as well. You'd like to think if the Appleton's first game in charge, but. Yeah, as I say, I feel like Wickham, we never seem to be able to break them down well, even when we are at home. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully Appleton's got them with some big guns coming out. We'll be able to deal with the physicality. Yeah, um, all hell let loose saying, aren't you missing Kamara in midfield? I mean, so that 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 uh, formation I showed online was, was the team against Stevenage. So I haven't picked anyone in particular yet. We haven't had the debate about the midfield yet, but um, yeah, they, they will come up. Um, how big a, a role can you see Chooks and Ek playing on Saturday, Mark? Now he was he was massive 
for Charlton when he came on against Stevenage last weekend. We we can't. I mean, we have to come to the like we're in the situation where we can't risk him. So if we can hold him for twenty five minutes, that's better than not having him at all. So we just got to hope we're still in the game, I guess, at that point, and then we can throw him on as a not only a, a battering round, but he has got such a good touch on him as well, and and a goal scoring now so that if he can refine that as well he could be a real difference for us on Saturday well that's it I mean he's always been a good weapon to have in your arsenal um that you're going to put him on with 25 minutes 20 half hour to go and hope that he doesn't get injured um going up against a tiring defense who could have been pushed around he gives him else like you say his control is good and good touch <sighs> I th- you know he's a handy weapon to have on on a bench he's not going to start I'd I'd be tempted if you're going three up front. I'd go Lieburn obviously for his physicality. I think you put Corey on one side and you put May on the right and let him flit around as a as a bit as a, as a. We've talked about before about Alfie May being a pest, and I think if Lieburn's occupying the centre halves with his size and his build, let May pop up and be that box, you know. One you're not watching until he's put the ball in the back of the net. So, and then if we are spun down or it's a draw, and then you're bringing on Chucks, you know, again, it's another weapon you can put on. If you have to go a bit more direct, you can hold the ball up. Um, so, no, it is good to have on the bench. Like I said, I still felt sorry. I still think there's a space you could put Carnu on the bench as well, um, again, because I think you have to have a few more strings on your bow than just lump it up to Chucks. So, mm. uh, you know, well, I thought we were overloaded defensively in, in his first game, but I can understand why, because he's seen our previous games and thinking, you know, if I need to hold on at the back, I will do. I like Chucks. We all know the issues with him. And I think, that's the thing about Chucks, we want him to do well. You don't want him, people aren't going, oh God, but they want him to do well. But do I think he'll do five games in a row? <laughs> Probably not. No, unfortunately. Um, Daniel's just joined the chat saying we definitely need to play 4-4-2 at May and Lieburn up top. 4-3-3 uh, just doesn't work. Leaves May isolated. We saw that on Saturday with Lieburn because that was going to be my next point. I mean, Mark's talking about having that physicality getting Lieburn in the mix. But if I mean, if we do play a 4-3-3, like Lieburn out wide kind of worked against Fleetwood, albeit against Fleetwood um, for 20 minutes or so. Like, can, can, we, can we get that into the side? And, and maybe that would mean taking... Someone like Tyrese Campbell out the side who didn't have a great day on Saturday, but I think is a real asset to us going forward. Like, he won't be dropping Blackett Taylor. So, assuming May has recovered from his concussion, I mean, how, how would you sort of mould that front line, Tash? It does come, every question comes back to what's our strongest 11 and also the formation as well, I guess. But, I mean, would you have a, a preference for a game on Saturday? Yeah, I agree with you that when Lee Byrne came on at Fleetwood, I mean, it just changed the game completely, didn't it? Most because it's Miles Lee Byrne. But also, yeah, that formation seems to work really well for us from, from, you know, the first half. It was absolutely dire um, when he came on. It really, really switched it up. But in just having his physicality out on the wing did still work. However, my only issue with having Lee Byrne on the wing and May still as in the centre is if we're going to insist on playing balls in from the wings and trying to get in that way, or trying trying to play long ball and trying to hoof it up to Alfie May, that's it doesn't work. So I always prefer having a if we're going to play like that, I'd much prefer having a taller striker like Miles Lieburn in the middle or an EK. Um, obviously, yeah, as you guys said, he's not going to start unfortunately, but yeah, Lieburn in that position. Um, 
But I would I would personally switch it around. I don't know how much Alfie May's played on the wing, but I would have Lee Byrne in the middle and Alfie May out on the wing. I agree with Mark with the respect of him being able to run around and cause a nuisance, maybe drift out of his position if he needed to, um, and have Lee Byrne in the centre. That's what I'd do. Excellent stuff. Right, we've uh, nearly run out of time uh, on this week's big match preview. Just wanted to bring to your attention on Saturday... Uh, outside the game, uh, there'll be a bucket collection for Young Lives uh, versus uh, Cancer in uh, memory of, of Ben Jay, obviously the, the Charlton fan who we lost um, uh, very sadly um, a couple of years back now or just over a year ago. Um, yeah, uh, so if you can, uh, fans are encouraged to bring cash, but you can text to donate as well. The um, the details are all online. So if you want to get hold of that, uh, make sure you do. Um, it'll mean a lot to uh, to Ben's family who obviously still go to uh, games as well. Right, we have uh, come to the end of this week's show. So as I said, we'll, we'll pick up the best 11 again, um, either Sunday or possibly on uh, on uh, next Thursday as well. Uh, Lucas is just your L- Lucas is our Brazilian friend who bought me a shirt a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. He said the midfield uh, needs four men instead of three. Uh, and then uh, you want to see Corey and Lieburn uh, on the attack. Excellent stuff. Right. Um, thanks to everyone who's joined us in the chat uh, this uh, this week and for your suggestions for our best 11. Like I say, we'll pick that up again uh, later on. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for everyone who's listened back on the podcast uh, as well. Massive thanks to James uh, from the Bucks Free Press who uh, joined us earlier on today. Uh, and also a big thanks to Tash and Mark. Good to speak to the pair of you as always. You're welcome, mate. Cheers, Louis. Cheers, guys. Good. Good to see you guys. So uh, I'm Louis Mendes. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again on Sunday uh, to look back at the Wiccan game. But I just want to say thank you to listening to Charlton Live, uh, sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. Uh, We'll see you again over the weekend. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.